400 pointer this time around. Lawson, what have you got for us? For 400 points. What disciple first responded to the news of the Messiah by saying, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 400 points, you can win a book from our selection of bargain books. But again, that question was, what disciple first responded to the news of the Messiah by saying, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? 0491-064-669. All right. Coming through on the text messages, we've got the meat industry is at it again. Sales must be going down. <laughs> Well, when you go in with that kind of an agenda, it kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? I How mean, many Australians are vegetarian now? It's like a fifth of the population or something? One in five identify that way, but that's a pretty loose identity. Uh, okay. So a lot of them are more flexitarian rather than vegetarian. But anyway, agriculture in red houses, now that is impressive. 30% higher yields of growth. There goes world hunger. Well, yeah, could do. We could solve world hunger right now if we wanted to. Um, but Feed them hey, cake. I mean, that, that was a, that was a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Dark one, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about... Deme- uh, sorry, there's a text message coming through on domestic violence three months mm. after separation. As you think so, it shall be the importance of forgiveness. Not an Oof. easy ask, considering the pain many have gone through. Yeah, totally. But the murder will only compound the pain. Jealousy started in heaven with Lucifer, and we all know the result of that. So, yeah, that was um, some pretty heavy research that we looked at uh, coming out of Australia in relationship to uh, domestic violence that ends in murder, which is all too frequent in this country. Okay, forcing people against their conscience. Isn't that what the world has experienced over the last two years with vaccinations? Most people fall for the sugar coating, but the drop of arsenic will still kill you. And then finally, the new normal is sick, but this has always been the plan, the battle of the mind, and mm. Satan seems to be winning. Uh, just as well, this is the last generation. Jesus is not impressed with those who mm. hurt children. We live in judgment time. Wow. All right, so those are our text messages. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call. Shoot us a text. We would love to. Uh, you can have a chat here on uh, The Breakfast Show with us if you've got something you'd like to contribute. We're about to get into our Hebrews Bible study, so we would particularly like to hear what you've got to say about the book of Hebrews or any of the other issues that are under discussion this morning. This is the open line. This is where you can have your say, 0491-064-669. And also question of the day. Mm. We need some more questions to fill up our backlog of questions for questions of the day. Uh, so do call or text those questions through and put them in for question of the day. But right now, Hebrews chapter 8 is where it is happening. We looked at the first five verses so far and we looked at the fact that the Bible says that the sanctuary which was on earth is a shadow of mm. the one that's in heaven. Now, some uh, you know, we, we can look at the, the physical... Description of the sanctuary on earth, and in particular, if you look at the sanctuary in the time of Jesus, the first century sanctuary, mm. it was one of the greatest wonders of the ancient world. That's right. It was one of the greatest temples ever built. Uh, this was something that rivaled the pyramids of Egypt. Uh, this this was a building that was lined with gold, and all of the furniture was made out of gold. So it was spectacular. Uh, it was full of wealth. It was. Uh, encased in white marble. It looked like a mount, a snow-topped mountain when you looked at it. If you go to Jerusalem today, you know, you stand up there on the Mount of Olives and the whole of Jerusalem, which is a large modern city, mm. is just completely dominated by 
you know, the, the Dome of the Rock, which sits where the temple used to sit. Mm. But then what you have to do is to look at that Dome of the Rock and imagine a building that was three times the size of wow. that one. Three times bigger. Mm. And that is going to be spectacular. You know, that's going to dwarf places like the Colosseum and so forth. Mm. Uh, it's just going to make it look like you know, you know, and 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 the Colosseum, of course, is built in Rome, which was the you know the political center of the world at that time, and Jerusalem has a greater building than Rome does. Yeah, that's right, and I think that 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 led to like the heavy Roman presence within Jerusalem. Yes. Like why every time Jesus goes to Jerusalem, he's not only having run-ins with Pharisees, but also you know talking to to Romans, and there's so many complaints about them because they were there. Protecting their, you know, their new asset that they had taken once oh, they absolutely. had taken Jerusalem. Yes, indeed. Mm. And of course, when you look at the, how spectacular that building was, and the Bible describes it as as a shadow. Yeah, wow. A distorted reflection, a small distorted reflection of the rea- of the real one. Mm. It's interesting. Like it's it's kind of poignant as well that he's bringing this up in Hebrews because we. Uh, assume based on the content of Hebrews that it was written before the AD 70 destruction of Jerusalem. That's our time period where we put the book because it doesn't mention the destruction of Jerusalem. Because, you know, if 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 uh, Paul was talking to a bunch of Hebrews in the early first century or around the time that Jerusalem had been destroyed, it would definitely be something that comes up, but he didn't. And so we, but we see here Paul making the point beforehand before this destruction of Jerusalem, that, oh, man, this is just a shadow. Like, it doesn't matter. The temple in heaven is what we're really, really after. So, yeah, really awesome stuff. Indeed. It is awesome stuff. And we need to think about also the information that the temple contains. Mm. You know, we talked about, for instance, just I think there was a a clue in the quiz about the mortise and tenon joints in the silver sockets that held the vertical boards that lined the walls of uh, Moses' sanctuary. Mm. Okay, so you can look at something like that. You can look at something as simple as that, and it will tell you something about Jesus. Really? What does that tell us about Jesus? I don't remember, but I remember doing a study <laughs> and a friend of mine pointing out, oh, have you noticed it with the silver and the and the gold coming together? In, and I was like, what? How is it possible that everything in this building mm. says something about Jesus? It is the most information-dense Subject in Scripture. Mm. There is more subject, more more material in the sanctuary about Jesus than anywhere else in the Bible. Did it, and writes are out like the applications of like even the services that took place in and around the temple. Like we talk about the different feasts and whatnot, but then the service for purifying those who are unclean and the service like all of these things just reveal Christ in such a powerful way. Um, and that's why God set it up. Absolutely, it is indeed. <laughs> All right, so uh, you've got you've got all of this uh, that, that is taking place here, and it the Bible once again says here in Hebrews chapter eight, it's just a shadow, and you look at the amount of information that there is in the shadow compared to the reality. You know, a, a shadow contains very very in, little information. Mm. You can learn very very little from a shadow. Mm. Imagine how much there is to learn from the real one. Mm. You know, we've got in the shadow, we've got more information than the human mind can comprehend and wrap itself around just here on this earth. Mm. You know, for, for thousands of years, human beings have been studying the sanctuary on earth and writing books about it and haven't got to the 
to the bottom of everything you can learn from it by far. Mm. And, and like you've got those who are kind of pointed in the right direction, applying it to Jesus, and then you look at the Jewish nation that exists today and they don't. They have the whole, like the sanctuary is theirs. Uh, yet they don't make those applications. They don't. Ha- they don't see that information. So it's still like there are many people who are studying and coming to conclusions. There are many people who aren't, who are even in its uh, possession. So it's super deep. And it gives when the Bible describes it as a shadow, it gives you a, 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 an inkling of how of how deep the plan of salvation mm. actually is, and how we will be able to study it for eternity and never plumb its depths. Uh, let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 8 now. We're going to pick up in verse 6. Yes. And we're going to continue on with this particular chapter. So Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, please, Lawson. In verse 6, the Bible says, But now our high priest, Jesus, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Okay, so... We're going to stop at this particular point and ask ourselves, you know, the covenant becomes critically important throughout the rest of this chapter. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that we've uh, studied like a gazillion times over, but we're going to study it again because we need to understand the old covenant and the new covenant. And and, and you can't do this chapter without studying the covenants. That's just simply an impossibility. Mm. Okay, so you've got the old covenant and you've got the new covenant. What does the Bible say here in verse 6 about... The Old Covenant. Uh, the Old Covenant um, was, well, it doesn't really say anything. It just talks about the new here in my translation. But I guess it does make this comparison about the promises of the covenant being better in the new one. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And, of course, you're absolutely correct. This verse says nothing about the Old Covenant. Mm. But it implies some things about the Old Covenant, Mm. doesn't it? It reveals some things about the Old Covenant. So what does it say then about the promises in the New Covenant? Uh, It says that they are better. Okay, so what does that mean in relationship to the promises in the Old Covenant? They're worse. Okay, so here's our first clue in identifying the Old Covenant. You see, there are a whole slew of different covenants that you're going to find in the Bible. Mm -hmm. You find, you know, probably the greatest covenant is the one between the Father and the Son for the redemption of man. Mm. Uh, but you're going to find God's covenant with Abraham. You're going to find God's covenant with Noah. You're going to find God's covenant with Adam. You're going to find, you know, covenants, you know, all the way through the Bible. But there is a covenant that is called the Old Covenant. Mm-hmm. And the confusion arises around this because people confuse the Old Covenant with the Ten Commandments. Mm. Because there are many passages in the Bible where the Ten Commandments are called a covenant. Mm -hmm. And just before the Ten Commandments are given, there is a covenant made. And so people make, and it's a fairly easy mistake to make, they equate the Ten Commandments as being synonymous with the Old Covenant. Mm. And so we've got to find out, first of all, is that possible? Is it possible for the Ten Commandments to be synonymous with the Old Covenant? And then if that is not possible in any way, shape or form, then where, how, what actually is the Old Covenant? Mm. Well, then I, let, let's do it, I guess. Yes. Is that what we're going to do now? That's exactly what oh, we're going to awesome, do. Awesome, let's go. <laughs> all right. So we've got our first identifying characteristic of the Old Covenant right here, and that is worse promises. Okay. Mm. So the New Covenant has better promises. That means that the Old Covenant has worse ones. Yes. 
How does how does God make worse promises? I don't know. I thought like he had only makes perfect ones, right? Yeah, that would be the assumption, wouldn't it? Right? He knows the end from the beginning. Mm. He wouldn't say like things dodgy, broken, weak, worse. Yeah, promises uh, that wouldn't help him or anyone else. I think that's a very valid point. Mm-hmm. All right, let's read verse 7. In verse 7 it says, If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. Okay, so what does verse 7 say about the old covenant? Uh, that it's faultly. It's fault. It, it, it is faulty. Actually, no. Right? Verse 7 doesn't say anything about the old covenant. Well, it says, If the first covenant had have been faultless. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But it's talking about yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Come along. No, did, did you read? Did you read? Did you read the verse beforehand? Yeah, or yeah. it says, "For if the first covenant had have been yeah, faultless, right. there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace to replace it." So it seems as though the first covenant was faulty, and the second covenant or the old covenant was faulty, and the new covenant makes up for the faults within the old covenant. That's right. Mm-hmm. So basically, your old covenant is faulty, and new covenant is faultless. Mm-hmm. Does God ever make anything faulty? No. No. God never makes anything faulty. Mm-hmm. We make of, things faulty. We make things faulty. <laughs> this is a clue right here. God makes nothing that is faulty. We make things that are faulty. Mm-hmm. So the old covenant was faulty and had poor promises. Mm-hmm. Okay, finally we go to verse, we're going to skip down to verse 13. We're going to look at three points about the old covenant. All right. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. Okay. Uh, so what does that make, say about the old covenant right there? Uh, it's obsolete. Obsolete. And it's, what's going to happen to it? It's done away with. It's going to disappear. It's going to disappear. Go Which means that if the Ten Commandments are the old covenant, it's obsolete and done away with and is about to disappear. Does that mean I can murder you? Well, if that was the case, it would be. Yeah, right? And this is the weird <laughs> thing is because people are like, yeah, the, the Ten Commandments are done away with. And it's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Why would you want that? Yeah. Why would anyone want that? <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants the Ten Commandments done away with. The Ten Commandments are amazing. They're awesome. They say don't lie, don't steal, don't chill, cheat, don't kill, You know, don't do lots of bad things. Don't mm. have other gods. It seems to make me think that the only people who would want to do away with that are the kinds of people who would want to do all those things. Exactly. Mm. And you've got two groups of people who try and get rid of the Ten Commandments, pretty much. Uh, ones who object to the Seventh Commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. Mm-hmm. That's the secular world. And ones who object to the Fourth Commandment, uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's the religious world. Mm. Wow. So your secular world and your religious world, they've both got a commandment each that they want to get rid of. And to do so, it's like, yeah, Ten Commandments done away with. Let's get rid of them. There's nothing bad in the Ten Commandments, guys. The Ten Commandments are amazing. They're all mm. good. All right, let's uh, continue on. Okay, so let's let's summarize. We've got what we've got here. We've got three points. Uh, the Bible says that the old covenant was based on poor promises. Yes. The Bible says the old covenant was faulty, and the Bible says the old covenant was temporary. Okay. So we have to ask ourselves the questions, those three questions. Is there anywhere in the Bible where it says that there are poor promises, weaker promises in the Ten Commandments? Uh, no. In fact, if you, you know, 
pick your Bible, head over to Romans chapter 7 and verse 12, like literally the most newest New Testament book you'll find in the Bible. It actually makes the point that the Ten Commandments, it says the commandments are holy and just and good. Absolutely. Are there any promises in the Ten Commandments? Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of promises. Okay, so let's look at one as an example, and let's look at it from the New Testament, and let's see what the New Testament has to say about the promises that are in the Ten Commandments. Let's go to Ephesians. So we go Galatians, we go Ephesians. Which chapter? I'm, I'm there, Law. Are you there? Yeah, I'm ready. You ready to go? Uh-huh. Chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1 to to 3. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If if you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Does does anybody, I mean, do we all aspire like, oh, yeah, I really want to have a short life? (laughs) No. No. Nobody aspires to a short life. Everybody aspires to a long life. And God says, look, it starts by honouring your parents. Honour your parents, you'll have a long life. And it's so funny, like it's Paul who wrote the book of Ephesians. Yes. He ended up having a short life. His life was shortened by the blade. Yes. You know? And yet he is like, you know, if if anyone could have said like, don't have a short life, it could be him yes. because that was his experience. Uh, but no, he's like really promoting the, what the Ten Commandments is saying and the promise of it as well. It's like this is something that you should aspire to have. Yes. Mm. So this is a really good promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Ten Commandments have promises and they are good promises. They yes. are not weak. They are not poor. They are not faulty in any way, shape or form. And so when we look at the Ten Commandments, there are no poor Promises in the Ten Commandments. The second thing that we look at with the Old Covenant is the Bible says that it was faulty, and the Bible says that the Ten Commandments are holy, just, and good. Mm. Something that is holy, just, and good is not faulty. Mm. And this is where you run into that trap. If you make the Ten Commandments the Old Covenant, you make the Bible contradict itself. That's right. Uh, The Bible says that the Ten Commandments are... Uh, temporary. Mm. Sorry, sorry. The Bible says that the old covenant is temporary, that it's mm. done away with. Mm. And yet the Bible says that the Ten Commandments stand forever. You can go as far into the Bible as you want. Mm. You know, go right down to the very end of the Bible. What does the Bible say at the very end of the Bible, speaking about the very end of time? Let me read this for you from uh, Revelation 12 and verse 17. The Bible says the dragon was angry with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus. Mm. The remnant of the woman's seed. The woman a symbol of the church. The remnant, a a word that simply means that which remains. Mm. This is God's church that remains all the way through. What are they doing? They're keeping the commandments of God. What do they have? The testimony of Jesus. Wow. Then you read about this same generation, uh, same group of people in Revelation chapter 14 and down in verse 12 where it says, here is the patience of the saints. And, and, and the, here it's describing those that gained a victory over the mark of the beast. You, know, you can back up to verse 9. Third angel followed them saying, if anyone worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same will drink the wine of the wrath of God, etc. And then it goes on and says, here is the patience of the saints. Very end of time. Here are those that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Mm. 
If the Ten Commandments were temporary, they would have been done away with long before this particular point of time. You know, you can go all the way through the Bible, all the way into the very end of the Old Testament, and you find the Ten Commandments all the way through. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Here on The Breakfast Show this morning as we continue into our Bible study. Uh, before we go back into the Bible study, we have the 500-point clue for the quiz. Lawson, have you got the question ready for us? Of course. For 500 points, what town was Joshua given as his inheritance? Okay. I'd like that. Man, I'd like to just be given a whole town. Well, you know, if you do what Joshua did and spend 40 years in the wilderness and then lead, you know, armies through. Ah, uh, so this is then, an ant thing. This, maybe, is a, maybe, this isn't an, I thought this was an inheritance. Uh, the, I, I didn't realize this was like a. Maybe you would deserve a whole town. This was a, a working thing. Oh, okay. Fair. <laughs> Fair enough. And he was like, what, 80 years old by the time he got it? So, you know. Anyway, good stuff. Well, anyways, uh, for 500 points, you can win the uh, our prize for today, which is the, I believe it's a book or maybe it's a TV series. I'm, I'm trying to find it. It is a TV series. It's a book that I think has a, an accompanying TV series. That's right. It's called What Do You Think by Tony Knight. Why are you here? Where did you come from? And how did you get here? All of these questions, very existential. Uh, is uh, going to be answered in this book. So 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And again, that question was, what town was Joshua given as an inheritance? If you know, call us, text us, have the right answer. You'll get this stuff for free. Great stuff. Well, uh, one of our listeners calling through, uh, Bruce, welcome to the show. You've got some comments to make in relationship to the Ten Commandments, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. The um, Well, God's word is creative. You yes. Know, when he speaks, that's why he can't lie. So if we claim the commandments like thou shalt not, well, we can't do it because he said it. So if we believe mm. it. Not steal. I can't steal. God said it. I'm claiming it. So, so basically what we do is we claim we claim the, the, the Ten Commandments as a promise. Each one of the commandments yeah. then becomes a promise because on, on the principle that, you know, that, that old saying that says all of God's biddings are enablings, because God, at the same time as he asks us to do something, gives us then the power to be able to do so. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So if you claim, you know, thou shalt not kill, and you claim it as, you know, Lyle shall not kill, then Lyle will not kill because God's power enables Lyle not to do so. Yeah, and it's by faith because you're believing in his power to do it. And it's him doing it, not you, you know. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Bruce, thank you so much for calling through. We always enjoy it when our uh, listeners call through. And if you'd like to have uh, your say here, uh, make some comments on The Breakfast Show, we would love to hear from you. Uh, our number is 0491 uh, We love hearing from Bruce from time to time, and we like hearing from all of our listeners uh, here on The Breakfast Show. So do call through and uh, share your thoughts. Uh, so that turns every single one of the Ten Commandments into a promise. I love that. I actually really like that thought. Uh, because I feel like Christians and God's power in, in our world today is often framed as, as this idea of like, God is this epic genie, um, who will give you things if you're good. 
like basically like Santa God. So so like oh you know like people are claiming you know the miracle of oh Lord I don't have money give me money I don't have a house give me a house and and that's actually a prayer that I'm praying at the moment I'm trying to find a rental property here in a, in Newcastle and it is just about impossible. Um, but like and I'm not saying that that's completely wrong. But then like when it comes to these promises that God gives us in the Ten Commandments, you know, thou shalt not kill. Like these are uh, I believe. Them. Uh, are actually miracles that happen in our life that we can claim. Uh, and you might be sitting there listening and thinking, well, how is a decision a miracle? Like, well, what do you mean? How, how does that work? Well, the simple reality is pretty much every government on earth can look at the Ten Commandments and see the virtuosity in it and they, yes. and they put it into law, into legislation. Yes. And yes. almost every human on earth would agree. That's right. Yet there is so much uh, adultery. There is so much murder. There is so much lying. There is so much stealing. Like, everyone agrees this is the right thing to do, yet, like, hardly anyone, well, pretty much no one keeps... Actually, not pretty much. Actually, no one has ever kept the Ten Commandments their entire life except for Christ, and that is because we are bent to sin. So we need a literal miracle to be able to follow the Ten Commandments, and I think that has something to do with the New Covenant. But we might talk about that in a little bit. So John's texted this one through, and this mm. is a, this is quite a quite a challenge right here. Mm. Uh, my wife honored her father and mother, but she died at forty two. So I struggle with that promise. Um, and you know, I can I can mm. I can speak to that one as well because my mother honored her father and mother, and she died I think at thirty nine. Mm. So you know this this is this is way too young. To, so what's going on there? What's what's happening when you know, the Bible says honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and that your days may be long in the land. And yet people who do honor their parents die young. What's happening here? What is, oh, that is quite heavy. I I believe it's man, I I can't necessarily speak to this situation. I want to be as sympathetic as possible. Yeah. Um but at the same time like when we get to the end of the book of Job Someone who experienced immense suffering and loss. He lost everything. Yes. And he gets to the end and he says, the Lord gives, the Lord taketh away. You know, blessed yes. be the Lord, God yes. Almighty. Like, he makes this point of r- the reality that God wants to and will, as much as he can, obey, like, his, and keep his promises. Yes. At the same time, like, there is a conflicting, you know, force, and that is sin and evil, and suffering, and death um, that exists, that is trying to force its will into the world uh, and ultimately leads to these terrible situations. Um, God will never force anyone's will, and he'll never control anyone. Everyone has free choice. It wasn't necessarily those people's uh, decision to die at a young age, and in fact, they did what was right and what would lead to a long age. So, like, Ultimately, I see it as there is a world to come in which everyone, everything will be perfect. And those people who did honor their father and mother and did live a life that was righteous and virtuous and did give their hearts to Christ and did follow him. Um, will have eternal life. Will have eternal life. Their life will be very long, <laughs> uh, incredibly long. And so although, you know, there are times where it seems as though God hasn't come through for us on this earth, he actually has because we'll know him and be spending time with him for eternity, he, where all of his promises will be kept always, all the time. I think there's another aspect of this as well, and we probably could have, probably should have kept this one for question of the day because mm. it's a very good question. And that is this. 
that there are principles that we live by here on this earth that are principles of longevity, mm. and they are found in the Bible. There's, mm. you know, your eight laws of health and so forth are all principles of longevity. Yeah, wow. But they don't guarantee that you don't get hit by a bus. That's right. Uh, you can, um, you know, you can be living a very healthy lifestyle and have a traumatic accident and die as a result of that traumatic accident. Mm. Is that a a result of you know you reap what you sow? No, it's not. Mm. It's a result of living in a world of sin. That's right. And when you're living in a world of sin, so often we are collateral damage in the you know the great controversy that's been that is taking place between Christ and Satan. And there is no reason for what happened other than we live in a world of sin. That's right. We're not only perpetrators, but we're victims as well. (coughs) That's right. And so principles, that doesn't mean that the principles of, say, your eight laws of health are wrong. Mm. They are still right. And even people who live by those principles will die sometimes very young of disease. Yeah, that's right. Okay? Okay. that doesn't mean that the principles are wrong. That means that we live in a world of sin That's and right. that there are always going to be uh, aberrations to you know the principles that God lays down because of the effects of sin. Mm. There's probably a whole bunch of different aspects to this one that we could look at, but it's a really good question, and uh, we've kind of done question of the day before we got to it and haven't finished our Bible study. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and we're about to have answers for our quizzes. That's right. For 100 points, the answer was hell. For 200 points, the answer... Ah, in Aramaic, it was Gehenna. Yes, that's right. For 200 points, the answer was Scarlet. And I was talking about red-topped uh, roofs, you know, and greenhouses, and all yes, way, connections. Yes, yes. For 300 points, the answer was fish. So Jesus was eating fish. Indeed he and, was. Uh, okay, yep. And, but, but a plant-based diet is still better. All right, 400 points. The answer was Nathaniel. <laughs> and for 500 points, the answer what was the city that Joshua was given, Timnath-Serah. I wouldn't have got that one. Really? Now that you mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, I can't remember hearing that somewhere in the Bible, but I would not have answered that one. Did you, did you know the answer to that one? Uh, yeah, of course, because mm. I read it. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number. If you guys want to call and four other people, a- four other people got that one. Wow, fantastic! Yeah. We got some Google users out there. Nah, I, <laughs> well, I believe Bible you. students. Out Bible there. students. Hey, look! If you guys want to throw in it, we're about to have questions today. If you want to give us some more questions of the day, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call. But right now, it is time for question of the day. All right, our question of the day today is simply this, Lyle. Yes. Does slash can God change his mind? Uh, Does God change his mind? No. Can God change his mind? Also no. Let's read it from the Bible. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, the Bible says that uh, I am the Lord, I do not change. Numbers 23 verse 19 says God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. So this is this pretty clear passages that we're reading right here. We can read other passages, like, for instance, we can go to Ezekiel verse uh, chapter 24 and verse 14. I am the Lord. I have spoken. It shall come to pass. I will do it. So what God wills, he does. Uh, we can look at James chapter 1 and verse 17. Every good and 
every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So God does not change his mind uh, in any way, shape, or form. So then the question that comes up from that is, okay, what about when God changes his mind in relationship to the Ninevites? Mm. What about when the Bible says that God repented that he had made man and therefore he flooded the world? What about where the Bible says that, you know, God came down from, you know, when, when Moses came down from the mountain of Israel, God decided to destroy all of the Israelites and Moses interceded and God decided not to destroy them. What's going on there? Very simply, what you've got is that God knows beforehand that he will make these statements. This is not a situation of God changing his mind, even though it appears that way to us because we are human beings and we are subject to obviously changing our mind, you know, multiple times a day because we are far from perfect. And so God is not changing his mind in that respect, in the respect that human beings change their mind. God is expressing his compassion. And when God expresses his compassion and his forgiveness, then often that comes across as like, well, God was going to do this and now he's going to do that. The reality is that God is expressing this is what the consequences would have been if you had not repented, but because you have repented, this is what the consequences are now going to be. They're going to be much better. You're going to have salvation. Did God know that he would forgive the Ninevites, that the Ninevites would repent? Yes, because God knows all things. Did God know that he would, you know, Send Jonah there to say 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed? Yes, indeed. Was this a conditional prophecy? Absolutely. Does God know the end from the beginning? Yes, he does. There are some challenging things for our finite minds to comprehend when we are dealing with an infinite God. And sometimes I think we try to reduce God to our level and God and make God somehow human, have a God in the image of humanity rather than humanity in the image of God. And if we can't understand everything there is to understand about God and we can't wrap our heads around it, we reject it. That would be a mistake. There is so much in the Bible that our brains cannot wrap their minds around and you know God's eternity and the fact that he does not change his mind and he knows the end from the beginning is one of those things that we simply can't grasp. As we've come to the end of the breakfast show, Freco had this to say. He said the Ten Commandments are a blessing and a protection to us all who would not want to who would who would not want to live a life of love. Mm. So fantastic. Great text there from Freco. Don't forget to spend some time with Jesus today. Spend some time other than on Faith FM, even though Tazy Encounters is about to start up, and I would yes. definitely stay tuned for that. And, of course, don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.